0: Welcome to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Stephen Ellis, the Government Solutions Lead at Zoom. Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion. Last November, the General Services Administration closed sales on several high-value federal properties at the recommendation of the the Public Buildings Reform Board. This was a combination of land and office space that GSA believed were valuable, but were not needed anymore. The sales marked the first of several that the board estimates will bring in about $500 million in revenue over the next year. And this may just be the beginning as agencies reconsider what returning to the office looks like as we learn to live in the pandemic's ebbs and flows. The Office of Personal Management told agencies a new guidance late last year to assist agencies in updating their current telework and remote work policies, especially as OPM and agencies further define a broad vision of for the future of work. OPM told agencies they should strive to fully integrate telework into their culture, providing all employees the opportunity to telework, at least occasionally. Over the course of the next year, more agencies will need to make a host of decisions about the future of work, both from an operational perspective, like whether or not they need to reduce office space, And from a managerial perspective, like how they create an inclusive and collaborative environment. So for suggestions about how they could make that all work together, we're going to turn back to Stephen Ellis, the government solutions lead at Zoom. Workforce transformation, we're going through it. It's a constant change, it feels like. But there's this idea of of how to bring together the people, the process, and technology. Over the last two years, what are you seeing from some of your government clients? What's kind of some of those trends around this idea of workforce transformation?
1: Yeah, thank you, Jason and a great question. Obviously we've seen a tremendous change in the last couple of years and, and we had maybe that week or that day where we went from everyone being mostly in our offices with uh, remote work or some people call it telework being uh, an, an exception or a one day in some amount of weeks or month to being basically the way that many, many people have worked and still do until this day. In terms of the the way that took place, we, the uh, what we've noticed is the technology had to adapt to how people work. And that was a change in in, uh, how uh, government agencies are organized and how government employees sort of do their day. And if we think about how that is and how that's impacted the IT process from sort of the dawn of the computer age, if if we go way back historically to uh, something certainly before my time, but punch cards, they had to hire people who knew how to use those tools. And the same thing with word processing when that started. And now with the cloud and and bringing data, we've had to bring in experts who understood how to use specific systems so they could unlock the power of that broadly for the agency. What we saw in the the last couple of years is sort of turning that on its head. We saw we need all of that technology to work in the service of how people work. And so I think what we've seen is this big change. Uh, And I, I would like, I call it certainly the term that you know, I've come up with at least uh, in that petri dish of federal IT terms that are going on, you know, whether it was, you know, myself here at Zoom or someone else, but human-centered IT. So bringing that humanity and the humanness of, of all of us, our shared experience into the process, into how IT is deployed and into how we organize us, ourselves as people, that, that is at the center of it all. As opposed to what I think we've seen in the last 10, 20, even beyond years, it's been more IT serving how the technical processes work. So now we've switched it on its head. And as you mentioned, it takes people, process, and technology together. It's a very is it very coordinated. Is it three legs to a st- uh, stool? Is it three pillars to a building? But whatever that is, you, you need all three. Uh, For it to work, you need offense, defense, and special teams for a for a football you know to win a football game. And 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 when we're talking about the federal IT world, we need all three of those things. And you know when when it doesn't work, it's a it's a broken process, and we can see it right away. I was with my my young son; he's two. We were walking down the street, and uh, and around the corner, they were putting new asphalt on a road. And, and we had a chance to see them set up and, and, and the workmen there. Uh, it was really, really exciting for my two-year-old to see all this equipment. It was all brand new. We had a chance to even chat with some of the, the folks who were working. They showed us the truck and got get some pictures. You know, these were tier one, you know, road crew. They were at the top of their game. Amazing. They had brand new equipment. So technology, the people and technology was perfect and, and, and the experience That they had and putting that beautiful road was was wonderful but what happened three weeks later is that uh the phone company came in put a ripped up a big chunk of that to do whatever they had to do and uh and then they just banged some asphalt with the back of a shovel and put a a, you know a patch together so that was a process that failed and so that you had the great people you had great technology but the process failed and the result is an eyesore in front of you know my friend's house, <laughs> um, so it, it you know it really needs to work. And, and for people who think, well, that's a government thing, you know, it's it's it really it's something that transcends. And we're having this conversation because we're trying to serve the mission of government. But I'll tell you, it's it's a lot of it's it's every industry is dealing with these types of things where maybe they have the people right, maybe they have the technology right, process is broken. I, I was talking to my sister-in-law the other day; her her credit card was expiring. They sent her the, a new credit card. A month later, the bank changed its logo, so they send a new credit card, and it didn't have that, uh, the tap reader, and that was missing. So all of a sudden, they had to call up and get another, so three credit cards in the span of a month, absolutely broken process. Uh, It's not just the federal government, but we all need to look at it. And as we're making these changes, as we're looking at human-centered IT, we have to make substantial changes to these processes, because they were developed in a pre-pandemic world. They were developed when remote work was not the norm, it was an unusual thing. And so what we're seeing now with some of the delays and some of the things that is the SOPs haven't caught up to how we're gonna work, how we're gonna get information to people, um, you know, and, and, and how that's gonna ultimately serve the citizenry. If, if someone has to get a uh, certified mail to an office and then that has to be opened and, and scanned and processed when everyone's at home, that that process can easily break down. So we really need to evaluate the processes and the technology and the people, of course, uh, but bring them all together in a very human-centered way. And I think that is the innovation that we've seen, where we've seen agencies implementing these processes, looking at technology to serve how people work, to say maybe people want more than just the little webcam on their laptop, maybe they'd be more comfortable, more polished, more professional in dealing with a citizen on a sensitive topic uh, with a webcam. Maybe that would be helpful. Um, And so when we're looking at that, we know the president's been talking about, you mentioned the work GSA is doing, the president's looking at it on on the other end with the executive order for customer experience to say, let's make sure that we're reevaluating those processes by which people interact with government. And then I think that's just as important as people in government interacting with each other and, and doing a lot of the wonderful work, the critical work, the nation-critical work that they do every
0: day. I want to go back to something you said that's really, I think, fascinating that you hit the nail on the head. In previous generations of technology, you had to have bringing that expert to, to teach you how to use it, or you kind of figured it out, but you just kind of knew enough to, to get by, but the really the, the really smart people were in the back room and this whole idea of CIOs to move out of the back room into the boardroom that we've been talking about for the last 35 years or so. With platforms like Zoom, we all knew how to use it already. And whether it was by accident or not, we, we just knew. I bring my camera up, I hit the button, and there I am. And I see you, you see me, and we can talk. Is that is that part of that process change that you kind of went through that that we saw? And that's why agencies are having to take a step back? Because now citizens don't have to show up at the social security office. They could just bring their laptop up and and, and solve a problem. Or same thing with, you know, it used to be the phone or, or the 1-800 number, but now we have this other additional kind of uh, technology that we're all more used to. So agencies then have to mature their processes to take advantage of it. No, absolutely.
1: And I obviously, I'm, when we're talking about the federal workforce, you're talking about a pretty wide range of generations and experiences. And when you're talking about the public, that's served, you're talking about people from the day they're born to, I don't know, 110, 115. I mean, you're talking about an incredible spread of of ages, experiences, backgrounds, not to mention different uh, abilities or accessibility challenges that people may have, and then languages. Um, There's a a whole whole host of different reasons. And I think when we talk about the technology platforms, again, whether you're serving just the citizen who's engaging with government or a government uh, meeting, two to folks within an agency or across agencies who are meeting, we need to have simple tools that don't require a help desk call every time you get something set up. I, I know from experience, you know, how many times to go into a conference room and to try to project something on the screen, there was a menu, there are 15 different buttons, and did you have the right adapter? And could you, these things, um, we, we had to accommodate ourselves to the process or maybe there was something written on the wall with 15 different steps or you had to call some expert to come in. Um, at Zoom, we, we hope we've, we've developed solutions to help the conference room experience, to help the phone experience, obviously our meeting product or webinar product. Um, but I think it's not just a Zoom question. I think industry in general, uh, and I would challenge government purchasers to say, this new IT solution that I'm de- deploying and wh- whatever area that is, is it um, designed in a way that's very easy or intuitive to use? Are people comfortable uh, in, in how they're using it? And um, certainly a lot of thought has gone in, in, in terms of how, how zoom works and, and how it can be used. And, and, and we continue to do that um, for the future and, and in our development. And I would imagine that, that my colleagues across industry are, are trying to do the same thing. And so I, I would, put, I would say to anyone who's out there who's looking at making a federal purchase uh, of, of some technology to make sure that it's, it's intuitive and usable, because otherwise that help desk burn when you have a remote workforce, it, it's going to be increasingly difficult. The days of being able to walk up and get something figured out are, are, uh, are sort of behind us in a way. So, uh, you know, Jason, amaz- you know, very astute question, because that is going to be the, the way forward.
0: The other piece of this is, and I think this gets to the process change, I want to make sure we touch upon in this first segment is around, it's really changing the way federal agencies work together, both internally within the agency and across the government, because while well, I'm in one part of the world and you're in the other part of the world, but now we can have this communication, this collaboration in a much different way, where before, let me get on an airplane, let me fly to DC, or let me fly to some you know remote place in the National Park Service so the Forest Service can talk to you that is also creating this different kind of driving this culture change what are you seeing from, from that and, and are they changing the processes internally too
1: you know culture is so important I, I was watching a movie the other day and it was sort of this over-the-top boss who was terrible and you know it, he at one point he, he, he exclaimed so, something to the so, something like you know i i pay you to come in here and sit at your desk from nine to five and do your work and and, and what sort of hit me about that is that that mindset is, 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 is really not the one that's gonna be successful going forward. Um, there are a lot of folks unfortunately who, who do have that, but the idea is we need to be looking at what are the outputs that people have and then monitoring and ensuring and working with our workforce to make sure that those outputs happen. It's, it's not just being in a place and doing work, uh, you know, walking around the, and, you know, and wasting time in around a water cooler, or whatever you can, you can be unproductive in an office. So I think building that culture and empowering the outputs that have to happen, that's the big shift. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of the work going forward. Um, and, and I think it's so, so important to have that. I think when we also look at making these types of changes, There's a lot of ways that as we re-envision a process, we can uh, improve it. And, and, And building that culture, that's where I think the remote element can really help. You know, we've talked about a lot of different inclusion goals, accessibility goals. We talk about personalities and cultures. We want our federal culture to make sure that, for example, introverted people feel like they're valued and that they're not overwhelmed by um, you know, information. We want to make sure that we're benefiting from a workforce that's maybe not exclusively within commuting distance to the Capital Beltway region. Uh, maybe there's, uh, you know, socioeconomically disadvantaged places in, in the United States. Um, you know, I, I was speaking recently with a federal uh, leader who said, why don't we go into places like, um, you know, rural Louisiana and hire folks there and who are just as Uh, you have a lot of wisdom to bring into the federal mission that made a lot of sense to say, let's go to other areas where, you know, maybe we can get folks who, who want that, you know, 20 year federal career that, that sometimes in the DC area can be so hard to to find. So I think there's a lot of that. And then accessibility, I I had a wonderful conversation recently with a uh, handicapped disabled person and a wheelchair bound individual. And he was talking about, um, just really, really preferring remote work in many situations, especially on those snow days because he would go in and come off uh, the metro and get, would get salt all over his wheels, would go everywhere into his clothes. And, and, and now he doesn't have to deal with any of that. Uh, it was a huge, huge um, burden that was removed. And you know, when I think about it, th- those are the sorts of cultural elements that I think we can build. And the other area that we can use remote to build culture is maybe there's within an agency a group of people in one office who enjoy Korean food or have an ethnic heritage somewhere or you know are part of an employee resource group that is you know has some characteristics to it or affinities um, within an, in a physical area maybe there's only a small group of people that would be interested in something along that lines but if you expand it to the to the, at the agency level different buildings different campuses different cities then you can really start to build. Uh, true community. So I think when we look at culture, there's a lot there that that remote experience can really do to improve. And then when we go back and we look at how is technology serving culture, the other, you know, the, what I would like to say there is, how are we looking at um, making people feel valued when they're remote? Are they just a, a voice on the other end of a conference call in a room or or are they more present in a meeting? And I think those are the types of questions when we look at culture that we need to be, you know, developing for sure.
0: And those also are the type of questions we'll try to answer in that next segment. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network.
1: Across the virtual halls of government, federal employees trust Zoom for government communications and collaboration and to engage with the public in serving their mission. Zoom for government with ATOs across the federal spectrum is U.S.-based, using the AWS GovCloud and two co-located data centers. Zoom has authorizations and attestations with FedRAMP, DOD's impact-level classification, FIPS 140 cryptography, and supports over 300 NIST controls. Learn more at carasoft.com Zoom.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Stephen Ellis, the government solutions lead at Zoom. Now, Stephen, before break, we were talking about the people, the process, and the technology. We heard you kind of give great definitions of how you have to have great people. You got to have really great technology. But if the processes are broken or struggling or need to be updated, which we're seeing in many ways across a lot of the private and public sectors, that the people and the the technology kind of fall behind too. So what what can agencies do to begin that that process re-engineering, to upgrade the processes to meet the expectations of their customers, but as well as the technology of today?
1: Jason, that's a great question. I, you know, I think one quick step that, that agencies can look at, and this is something maybe it's even at the division level, even at the team level we can look at, is what's that one day of the week? For some people, maybe it's Monday morning, maybe it's Wednesday morning. What's that day where you want to really start on the right foot and subjecting everyone to 395 uh, or, or the Legion Bridge or Route 50, putting them in that morning commute is going to sort of take everyone's focus away. So a quick win would be to say, let's take that Monday morning, let's own Monday morning and let's make it remote and let's have that touch base be remote and have people come in after that. that that's maybe an easy way to say, you know, we're, we're not going to take a flex day. We're not going to take something that's at a, at a, at a level of, um, you know, institutional big P policy, but let's have that one meeting where people can remote in and and have a level of focus and then a much easier way to the office. As we're going back to work, those are the types of things that are really going to help. And I know there's a lot of considerations with unions and everything else, but if we look at these quick wins, I think we'll do a lot uh, to, to build some of those cultural elements, those process elements that we talked about earlier.
0: And sounds very simple, right? Okay, which day do people want to, we have this, we have the kickoff meeting for the week, we're going to talk about what our goals are, our objectives, instead of folks coming in harried, oh, the traffic was a mess, my kid had to go to school, and I forgot about the lunch or whatever, you're saying you're gonna do it all from home, you may come in later that day, or you may not come in at all. But at least that first meeting, what you're saying is let's let's get make sure we're focused on that on that first big meeting of the week.
1: Absolutely. I, I think it, and again, some people look at it as Monday. Some people say, you know, what, you want to get that middle of the week and, and bring people back. I can see a lot of justifications for obviously either vision, but I think it's very focused and it's, it's important to have it as setting a tone to say, we are going to value people. We're going to give people this high focused moment and, and remote and remote access might be a great way to do just that.
0: I love that idea. You know, federal news network, we do everything almost remotely. But uh, I have to say that uh, it's it's nice just to kind of pop up that laptop, get into my meeting, and then move on to my next thing. So I think that's a that's a great idea, one we're doing for sure. And, and the leader of that, I think you know, that's got to come from two places. It's got to come from whoever that maybe executive is in the office, but it also should maybe come from the the human capital officer, the, the Chico, who can kind of make some of these suggestions to, to how to improve those business processes. And again, we're not talking about serving the citizen business processes but those other things that can be done to make to to in, in, to address workforce uh if you will happiness because that's that's a key part of this absolutely you know Jason when you started the conversation today you made a great point
1: earlier one of the big switches and this is maybe it happened 10 years ago uh the chief technology officer chief information officer went from being like a, a back room to a boardroom and and that move helped do a lot of the IT modernization. We saw from a cybersecurity perspective, We then we said the chief information security officer needs to be engaged in those very same conversations. And I would say today, the chief human capital officer, human resources officer, th- that person, uh, he or she is going to have a wonderful insight into what the employees, how they feel, they, you know, the tools and the processes and and, and the policies that are gonna empower them to do the work that they need to do. So I think that conversation is, is really, really important. The last thing that I would say to do as a CIO would be to deploy some new enterprise IT software and, and it ha- you, know, you have to access it within a specific building at a specific time, a specific way, and not thinking about you know, the broadness of the, of the demand for that specific tool. We talked earlier about difficulty supporting that uh, and, and, and having intuitive user face- interfaces. I think these are the types of questions and these are the types of policies that human resources, human capital can surface and then drive across an agency. And I think that's gonna bring us to the type of transformation that we really need to empower our workforce.
0: And I think one of the things we can't overlook is that CXO community. You mentioned CIO, we mentioned Chico's. There's also a role for acquisition, a role for finance, all of those folks. And then the mission leaders have to come together. And and those are also the people who are driving this return to work idea of of how should, what does the future of office look like? Are you starting to hear some of the agencies talk about how they think that that their employees are going to work today, tomorrow, and five years from now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing a lot more interaction and and sort of grassroots come, you know, bubbling up and saying, no, this is the way we need to do things. Um, You know, we've seen it where there's a specific software, there's a specific legacy provider that people uh, are required to use, and then people saying, hey, wait, actually, I, I would rather use, or I feel it's, you know, I can do more and serve the mission better with this other tool. And, and again, without naming names, but I increasingly am seeing that. And increasingly, I'm seeing CIOs saying, you know what, I've done a survey, and, and 80% of my employees want to use this other tool. So I understand we have an enterprise, you know, agreement, but I have to think about the the way my workforce wants to work. So we are seeing a lot of that. We are seeing a lot of, you know, I mentioned earlier, the processes that were developed were done in a sort of pre remote work era. And now we're we're saying, well, how can we best engage? And just things like I mentioned before, the webcam, maybe having that polish and professionalism of a webcam can be important. It may seem like a a superfluous or luxury item, but if you're having a high involvement or high, highly emotional, sometimes even conversation with a constituent, uh, or you're providing service to a disabled veteran, or you're doing something that you really want the polish of that inner interface interaction to be, you know, very, very high. We're seeing the cultural changes. And and this is coming where HR is informing um, the IT organization and saying, we need these types of changes. So I think it's been a very good, you know, uh, coming together, and we definitely need to do a lot more of it.
0: One of the things that you hear a lot about, and I kind of made reference to in the beginning, is about the, the change of the office space. What, what that's going to look like, and I think agencies are are starting to kind of okay, hoteling. Do I, how do I, you know, make sure I get a desk on Thursdays when I'm there, but or every three weeks when I'm there, is that starting to be the next conversation you're hearing agencies have? Is how much space do I really need, and what do I do with my current space, and how can I make sure that? You know, the folks who are there have space and the folks who come in less often have space. Where, what's the future of that kind of, how's that being pressed against the need for technologies like from Zoom to say, we got to make sure we're keeping people connected? Absolutely. And, you know, these are the types of questions that are important to have.
1: They can be loaded questions. Someone might say, you know, I've been here for 25 years and I worked myself to that corner office with a view of Constitution Avenue. And and, and now it's it's, you know, going away. I can imagine that being, a very uh, disconcerting moment, so to say the least. So I think we need to look at the modernization in, in a very human way, but we also need to say, look, we have a fundamental need to reorganize the office in, in ways that are more collaborative. I, you know, Everything from just the words that we've, we use that really speak to the era of, and, and, and the ancientness of some of these terms. If you think about the silos, we say government was, you know, it's full of silos. And one of the things, the wins from COVID is we were able to break down a lot of silos. Well, silos is obviously an agricultural term. We're talking about a farm. We're talking about a grain silo. And you know, what was it, 100 years ago when people came up with that term? Um, that was something that was a, in the common experience of all people to understand what a silo was. And yet nowadays, who knows when the last time we've seen one is. So that means we've had these silos for 100 years. And, and now we have an opportunity to break them down because it's just as easy to talk to someone in a different division, a different agency uh, as it is to the, the person on your team. So, so when technology offers those opportunities, we definitely want to take advantage of them. And then from a building perspective, we need to make sure that we are, you know, continuing that. So when we're in the office, are the people who aren't in the room, as I mentioned before, are they just a voice on, the, on a call? Are they just a small square on someone's laptop? or are they present in, in the video uh, screens on the wall? Is the audio optimized so everyone can be heard? If, if uh, you know, transcription or, or, or closed captioning or something is required, is that relatively, you know, is that part of the, the conversation? These are just small ways where we can really change how people work. Or when you go to a desk, is it intuitive to make sure that it's your line that rings and that you're plugged in and you're, instantly on and all of your settings are there. So I think these are the types of questions that if we can do it right, we can make going into the office much more collaborative. Maybe it's not just rows of desks, but very, very collaborative spaces because we're only going in to talk to other people, physically meet with some and, and have a remote oper- uh, uh, touches with other people. So so if if we take that philosophy and we spend a minute to say, okay, we're not in the in the the lurches of the the pandemic response. We just had to get laptops out the door as quick as we can. Now we can take a step back and say, how are we going to develop that office? So I think those are the important considerations.
0: I think agencies will have a lot of those considerations to to keep in mind as we go forward because uh, things are going to change. We know that. Unfortunately for us, Stephen, things have changed because we're out of time. (laughs) So let me thank my guest. Stephen Ellis is the government solutions lead at Zoom. Always appreciate your time, Stephen. Thanks so much. Absolutely, Jason.
1: True pleasure, as always. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Innovation and in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.